How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today's message, as we continue on our look at the book of 1 Corinthians, is going to be an interesting one, because um, today's message actually is against the law, and I'm actually breaking the law today, uh, preaching the Bible. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and other passages of the Bible that talk about morality, not talk about uh, what the what God thinks regarding homosexuality and, and uh, fornication and adultery and the effeminate and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as we're going to be looking at here, what God says is important. What God says is the absolute truth and we must obey God rather than men. If we take a look at Acts chapter 4, when the apostles were brought up before the Sanhedrin, as uh, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And we go over to Acts chapter 5. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. And uh, society, world, our nations will have differing opinions and views and beliefs on different things. I want to clarify before I go anywhere. I am not saying... I'm not saying that you can't go, do, be, have, whatever you want. Go ahead. You can go be whatever you want, do whatever you want, say whatever you want. That's, you're right. You can go say, do, be, have, whatever you want. Um, what I'm saying in regarding to this, and I am in no way hating upon peoples. I'm not doing that. I'm not hating upon you because you may say, do, feel, think, have, be, whatever, uh, whatever it is you are. I, I, I'm not, I'm not hating on you. I'm not trying to tell you you can't go and do something. All I'm saying, in regard to what the Bible says, this is what all that God is saying. I know some people take what God says and they abuse it, they misuse it, they misrepresent it. But if you read the Bible, God will allow you to go do have be whatever you want the issue is and this is what we're going to be talking about is the consequences of the outcome the consequences of the outcome because as we see by romans chapter 1 verses 16 to 25 god will hand you over to whatever you want if you are rejecting his counsel, rejecting his word, rejecting him, and you're denying what his word says, he'll hand you over to whatever you want to do those things which are not convenient, but he'll hand you over to do whatever you want. But there are consequences for our actions. And the, as we see by 1 Corinthians 6, and I frankly don't care about your feelings. I don't care what you think. If you would just pick up the Bible and just read the Bible, you would say you would see that there are some things that God condemns, that God is against, that uh, he will not allow these things into his kingdom. If you want to go to be with the Lord, well, I'm <laughs> frankly, 
Uh, heaven has a wall all around it and very strict immigration policies. Just saying. I know that will just trigger people right off the bat right there. But heaven has a wall and very strict immigration policies. So... You must be born again. You need to repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And now we see what the Bible says in regarding uh, some of these things. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. And turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I, I do have to say I am nervous about this, but it must be said. <clears throat> um, and I'm not saying this to be you know, whatever the word is. I can't think of words right now. I'm not say saying this to be sensational or any of that kind of thing. I I'm 100% honest with you folks. I'm here in Canada, and this message literally could get me arrested. I'm, I'm just saying that right now. This message can get me arrested. Um, if it happens, it happens. I pray it doesn't. But even if it does, it's the word of God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to limit it. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to apologize. I, I'm not going to make excuses. This is the word of God. This is the absolute truth. And you will be hated for speaking the truth. You will be hated of all men for, for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and sin hates righteousness. And the godless, the heathen, the pagan, the, the haters of Jesus Christ, the deniers of the word of God will make excuses. They'll try to uh, water down sin, air condition hell. They'll try to make excuses for sin and abomination. But look, this is what it is. And again, I'm not hating on anybody in particular, any of that kind of thing. I'm just saying, look, this is what God calls sin. And these things, these issues, these things that God, that God points out in his word that we're going to be looking at today, as he says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And we're going to be looking at uh, other passages relating to that. So it is what it is. I make no apology. And if you don't like it, take it up with God. All right. So I claim my religious rights in this message. Um, as a Canadian, as a citizen of Canada, I claim my religious rights. This is my religion. This is my belief. This is uh, my faith. Uh, this is what I believe according to the word of God. I, this is my right to believe what I want to believe. Um, no one else can tell me what to believe. And so I'm just stating my beliefs according to the Bible. And the Bible is not banned. Now, they're trying to, but the Bible is not banned. You have to ban the Bible. Then you have to then uh, go against all of the churches, all of the Christians, uh, and multiple other religions that also hold to the same book. I'm just saying. Uh, so, there we go. All right, so let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Word of God. And I'm an outlaw preacher today. So let's have fun. All right. Dare any of you, having a matter against another... Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Now, as we continue in with this, we see what Paul is talking about here. Paul is addressing the church of Corinth. And he uh, 
is bring up uh, some other issues that we see we see you know many people that go to law they go against it they haul you up before court they sue you at at the law and the paul's bringing up something here if you got problems uh, between brethren you got problems in the church why are you going to the world why are you going to the unsaved why are you going going to the sinners why are you going to the world to solve problems in the church to solve problems between the brethren if you have a matter if you got a problem you got an issue uh, before other christians you got issues in the church you solve it in the church you solve it with the brethren dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints do you not know the saints shall judge the world? Ooh. <laughs> Here we go. Do you not know the saints shall judge the world? Judge not. Judge not. Not supposed to judge. Um. You see, people who say the whole don't judge, don't judge uh, thing, they don't really understand what the Bible means by this. Uh, yes, absolutely. There are individuals who take this out of context to really blow this out of proportion. And you see the uh, the Pharisees, the legalists, and all these other kinds, the, the works-based salvationists. They're very blinded by the physical. And uh, they they attempt to fix the spiritual by, by fixing the physical, not understanding that it's literally according to the word of god reversed if you want to fix the physical you need to fix the spiritual because the physical is the outward manifestation of the inward so the saints shall judge the world now how does that work like what does that actually mean do you not know the saints shall judge the world and if the world shall be judged by you are you are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters so we take a look at what the bible means by judging and some people say, well, don't, don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Okay. Now we're going to get somewhere. As we talk about morality, we talk about immorality and all these things. We talk about behavior and actions and interests and all this stuff. How do we go about judging and what are we judging? What are we judging? If the saints shall judge the world, what are we judging? Well, John 7, 24 would be a great place to start. We start with Jesus Christ himself, his own words. He says, judge not after the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And people say, see, see, you're not supposed to judge me. Don't judge what I look like. Don't judge what I'm doing. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. It means judging after the appearance, the appearance of, of what I see, what I hear, what I feel, what I sense, my emotions and all that kind of thing, my opinions. But rather, he says, judge righteous judgment. So if we're going to be judging scenarios and things and people and stuff, we we judge by not what I think I feel or my judgment on this, but rather we judge what God's by God's what what God's word says. We judge righteously. To judge righteously is I have no righteousness of my own, so I'm not the judge. Okay? But the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed upon me, so I judge by his righteousness. I judge by his opinion, his feelings, what he sees, by his word, not mine. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not the judge. But rather, I'm just reciting what he's already said. I'm just 
quoting his already pre-existent judging. So when I go out into the world and I see behaviors, actions, words, things, whatever, I, I go back and say, okay, what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? Not catechisms, creeds, commentaries, or councils. What does Scripture say? The Bible alone. What does God say? God says this is wrong, and he says that here in his word. His word says this about that. His word says this about that. His word says this about that. People say, don't judge me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just literally quoting. I'm just literally citing. I'm just literally saying what God has already said. So the saints judging the world. Now, now, we look at this. Saints. Who are the saints? What is a saint? <laughs> well, depends what religion you're going at it from. All right, so, but if we go by the Bible of born-again Christianity and the Lord God Jesus Christ by grace, through faith, by belief alone, period, saints are born-again Christians. If you have personally believed on Jesus Christ, your Lord God and Savior, for salvation from your sins, you're a saint according to the Word of God. Now, a saint according to Catholicism versus according to Hinduism or whatever else, all these other uh, belief, beliefs and religions, uh, that's not what a biblical saint is. A saint is a born-again Christian disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay? So you look at the disciples, for example, Peter, uh, James, and John, and the others, when they're following Jesus around. All right? And... They come up to situations and circumstances and issues. How do they figure how they should go about reacting to it? They ask Jesus, Master, who has sinned? This person or his parents that he was born blind? Uh, Jesus, uh, what should we say to these ones? Jesus, what, what should we do about this? That, that's what we should do. That's how we should go about it. So, the saints shall judge the world. By the word, the word which became flesh and dwelt among us. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge in the smallest matters? Now going back to verse 1. As we see issues where between Christians in the church of Corinth, that between believers in, in the church, uh, there's spats and issues and problems. And, is, and they were going to the courts. They are going to the unsaved. They are going to sinners. They were going to people who have not believed in Jesus Christ to judge between the brethren. That's wrong. And, and Paul's saying that's wrong. That's not how this is supposed to be. That's not how we're supposed to be going about it. That that uh, if we go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, clarification here. The Sermon on the Mount, as many people think, was not a public sermon. Jesus did not preach that sermon to the multitudes, as many of the movies and shows and thoughts are relating to that actually if you go back and you see the exact wording the language of the passage you see jesus took his disciples apart and he spoke to his disciples the sermon on the mount is not for the public but is for the saints it's for the disciples of jesus christ it's a message of behavior of the saints of how the saints are supposed to behave not it's not for the world this is something for those that have that have believed on jesus christ gotten born again saved then the message of the sermon on the mount is applicable to them 
But anyways, it's all about uh, to, about our behavior and how we should treat by grace and mercy and meekness and turning the other cheek and not speaking evil and all this other stuff and how we're supposed to treat each other and forgiveness. If we forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. So Paul here in First uh, Corinthians six is referring back to that message that Jesus gave there and reminding us of how we're supposed to be towards each other and not to go to asking the opinions and the views and the beliefs of sinners and people outside the church when it comes to what is right what is not right we don't go to philosophies we don't go to the psychologists we don't go to the courts you're you don't go to the courts to figure out what is right what is wrong the laws of men the protocols and regulations of men do not dictate to us what is right what is wrong what is criminal and what is not we go to god god's word god's law supersedes the laws and the protocols and the rules of men god's word the word of god supersedes the courts the Bible supersedes the government. The scriptures supersede uh, all of the courts and all of the bills and all of the charters and all of everything. Everything that was written by man of all, of all constitutions and rights and liberties and court documents and all that stuff. Everything that was ever written is beneath the word of God. The word of God supersedes everything and is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith, the practice of faith, and law, and behavior, and action. And it, it is the, the law that tells us what, what is righteousness and what is unrighteousness. So why, in all that is holy, are we going to men, are we going to the courts, are we going to the judges, are we going to the philosophers, are we going to other people to tell us what is right, what is wrong, what, what is correct, and what is not? When the word of God is the authority, and we're supposed to be carrying the judgment of God and telling people what the difference is and what is important and what is right, what is not. If the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge in the smallest matters? What is fornication? What is adultery? Is that wrong? Or is it not wrong? Is lying wrong? Or is it not wrong? Are there, are there points where you can lie? Are, are there places where you can fornicate? Are some forms of fornication okay and acceptable? What if it's art? What if, what if immorality, what if nudity is, is being portrayed as art? Does that mean it's acceptable? As long as it's in a picture, as long as it's a statue, as long as it's in a video game, as long as it's just in the movie, it's okay? You see, well, I think, I feel, I believe, oh, what, what if... Now, what if the two of you are in agreement to be in a, be a couple, but you're not actually officially married, but you're in agreement, you make some make some promises between yourselves? Does that mean you can go and sleep together, shack up? What does the Bible say? You see, the world says, and God says, Philippians, Philippians chapter one verse nine. 
And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. To be careful how you go about saying it. Now, yes, this is the absolute truth. God's word is absolute, but there's a right way and wrong way to portray it. And this is where I started this broadcast prefacing that. That there have been gross abuses by certain people calling themselves Christians. Going out and being absolute iron-fisted, wrathful, hateful bigots. They're very hateful, very, uh, very uh, unloving, very ungraceful. They go with their big placards covered in pictures of fire and says, wrath of God is on you and you're all going to hell. And you, you know, the turn or burn evangelist types, the Westboro types, the Pharisee types, uh, that, that slander and hate and name call and, and saying all kinds of despicable things. That's wrong. That in judgment, love must abound. Look at the way Jesus Christ did it. Look at how he went about and he spoke to and he helped and he called and he drew drew people. That love may abound more and more in knowledge and judgment. Being careful how you bring about the judgment. Because why are we judging? For what purpose are we judging? Just to tell people they're wrong and they're being stupid and all the rest? No. No. As much as you might want to say that, that that's not right. Speak evil of no men in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves so we go to them in righteous judgment bringing them the the righteousness of jesus christ bringing them the righteousness of the word of god to instruct them what god says about this and so that they would repent and believe in the gospel of jesus christ so that if they are saints and they're messing up they will repent and return like the prodigal son we want the person to accept what we're saying and again we think about this look at the way jesus christ did it he went and sat with thieves and drunkards and gluttons and harlots and all the rest of it. he sat with them he ate with them he drank with them and he was there talking with them but he did so in such a way that they wanted to sit with him and talk to him if you're just going out and you're judging and making people angry just to stir up problems, just to tick people off and all the rest of it, well, then you don't understand. You don't understand scripture. You don't understand grace. You don't understand love. You don't understand Jesus Christ. You don't understand right re re repentance and righteousness. You don't understand the point. You don't understand the point. Now, you may, you may disagree with what they're doing, what they're saying. You may disagree vehemently. But if you let your own emotions, your own opinions, your own feelings override proper biblical Christ life, you're in righteous judgment, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. But they may be cursing you out and saying all kinds of things. Well, the Bible has an answer to that. Walk away. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Walk away. If they don't want to hear it, if they will not listen to you or accept the doctrine which you are saying, leave. So it says. It doesn't say stay there, stand there, fight and argue and bicker, name call and all the rest. It says, it says to walk away. Don't play the martyr. Don't play the martyr. So 
Please go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. Well, actually, I'll back up to verse 14, okay? We'll back up to verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit the spirit of God. Now, natural man, that's the, the, the natural state of man, unsaved, lost in their sin, okay? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And, and we looked at that before, how the unsaved in the world mocks at, laughs and at the Word of God, doesn't understand the righteousness of God, they can't accept it, don't want to accept it, and the rest of that. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual, now this is biblical spirituality, not just generic spirituality, Biblical spirituality is the spirituality of Jesus Christ, of the Lord God Jesus Christ, according to his full authority of his word. But he that is spiritual judgeth some things. No. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now, that's not a Calvinistic all, where it's limited to just a special select chosen elect of a couple things that you're allowed to judge. Now, this is all as in meaning everything and anything. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. That nothing, nothing, nothing is excused. Nothing gets a free pass. Absolutely anything and everything that could possibly come up is to be judged according to the word of God. Now, as we see in uh, in First John, as it talks about uh, uh, how we uh, to test the spirit to see if they are of God, they are to test all things, check all things, and as we see here, judge all things, whether you like it or not. Well, I think it's okay. Oh, okay, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that you were the Bible. <laughs> he is spiritual judgeth all things well i feel i think tradition says well my church says well catechism commentary council says okay that and two bucks will get you a coffee at tim hortons but we see here that that it's by the whole counsel of god by the whole scriptures the whole doctrine of god is the whole council of judgment and you can't dismiss uh, what the Bible says all because you don't like it. And if you're if you are doing that, well, then you're an enemy of God. You you oppose what He says. You're calling God a liar. You're saying you are saying that God is too strict and that you know better than God. Now, curious, who would say that? Who, what, what person who would be the type of person that would think that they know better than God? I will ascend to the throne. I will be like God. I will be like the Most High. Well, that, that's, that's satanic. That's demonic. That is Luciferian. Uh, that is what Lucifer said to Eve. Ye shall be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. You can be your own judge. That's literally what Satan said to Eve. You can be your own judge. You are the judge. 
You are the authority. You are God. Your feelings dictate truth. Your opinions dictate truth. Your judgment of your mind, of your feeling, of your person, your society, your government, anything, anything but what God says. Anything but God. That is demonic. That is demonic. That's of the devil. Verse 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? Now, what, what does Paul mean there? We shall judge angels, test the spirits to see if they are of God. Not only do we, do we judge all things by righteous judgment, but it's, it's not just limited to just the physical. This is, the, this is also including the spiritual. We judge angels to see, test them to see if they're of God. Well, how can you tell if it, if this spiritual being is of God or not? Because it makes me feel good. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many individuals I've spoken to over time that, 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 that they judge spiritual experiences by how it makes them feel. Because it made me feel like God was in the room. But doesn't the Bible say... Uh, marvel not that Satan can appear as an angel of light and his ministers will appear as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Be not deceived. They're supposed to test all things by the word of God, not by what we think and feel or what anyone else says or has written. But what scripture says, what what is written by God. For it is written, it is written, it is written, as Jesus said to Lucifer. We shall judge angels. Now, this angels, also, when you look up the word angels, uh, this also takes into context not just spiritual, as in spiritual angels and fallen angels, but angels also means messengers. And this also includes preachers and teachers, pastors, Bible teachers, and all the rest of it. Those who set themselves up as instructors, reciters of what God has said, whether spiritual or physical, they all are to be tested and judged according to the word of God. Just as the Bereans did in Acts 17.11. Acts 17.11, the Bereans, they heard the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul came to them. That, that out of all the, all the apostles, Paul, the miracle worker, church founder, missionary number one. That uh, You would consider him one of the most trustworthy individuals in the entirety of the faith, apart from Jesus Christ. Um, but look what the Bereans did. They took the words of Paul. They're like, yes, you, you, you're, you, you, you're quoting scripture, but we have to make sure that you are completely, exactly correct. And they took what Paul says... And they searched the scriptures to see if these things are so. And Paul praised them. Praised them for that. We are to judge angels. Messengers of God. Whether they be, whether they be physical or spiritual. We shall judge all things. It's every situation. Of every circumstance. Of every thought, behavior, action, word. Even in eating and drinking. Judge everything. To judge the angels of God. Fallen. And the, and the, mess, and the messengers among men. Judge everything. 
1 John chapter 4 verse 1. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. The word try there is to judge, to inspect. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets, see spirits, prophets. The spirit of the person, the spirit of the thing. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So to judge people, places, things, circumstances thoughts, opinions, feelings, dreams, whatever. But what does what does society say? Do whatever you want. No one's right, no one's wrong. Whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever you believe, whatever you want is your truth. I have my truth, you have your truth. I have my interpretation, you have your interpretation. One plus one equals orange. That's society's ideology. That's society's uh, uh, approach to this whole thing. One plus one equals orange. You can't tell me I'm wrong. By today's standard, you cannot tell me I'm wrong. There's no set rule. There's no law. There's no definitive truth. As, as we've seen recently in the news, you, what's a woman? I don't know. I don't know. Anything could be a woman, I guess. I guess my coffee cup's a woman. You know, according to society standards, you can't tell me I'm wrong. If I feel, if I think, if I believe, who are you to judge me? But know ye not that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life. And in this life, what standard of authority do we go by? What society says, what the world says, what the courts say, what the government says? Because according to this world, society, to the government, according to the laws of the land, it is exceptionally, exceptionally anti-Bible, anti-God. It's exceptionally, exceptionally anti-Christ. It's against Christ. It's against Scripture. It's against the, It's against God. It's against the faith. How much? Uh, how bad it was back then? How much more today? As in the days of Noah, we're to test all things, hold all things according to the Word of God. Not by what, but not by our senses, not by appearance. It may seem good. Or oh, it can it can look like a sheep. It could talk like a sheep. It could walk like a sheep, but it could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. All because they say they love Jesus. They go to church, carry the Bible, and pray. And whenever the doors are open, they're always there. Doesn't mean they're of God. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord. And Christ will say, I don't know you. Well, how can we know who is of God? What is of God and what is not? Not because of how it makes the atmosphere feel. Not because gold dust is raining down. Not because angel feathers are falling from the ceiling. Not because so-and-so's rolling on the ground barking like a cow. Not because, well, this person over here, they have such feelings and visions and dreams and sensations. Not because lightning has struck, but because God has said. 
Bible, scripture, the word of God, book, chapter, verse. That's it. Ends here. Period. Game over. That's it. The buck stops here. Not me. Not anyone else. Not because so-and-so calls himself a prophet or an apostle or a preacher or a teacher or a pastorette or whatever else. Not because someone's wearing a, a dress and wanted to be called mother, uh, uh, dress like looking like mother, wanted to be called father. Not because so-and-so has degrees and diplomas or because they have a huge YouTube channel or a huge ministry or a big church. Not because they're on stage wearing Armani suits with a big stupid grin and everyone loves them. But because Bible says, Scripture says, and they preach it undefiled, unashamed. This is what it is, whether you like it or not. The worse a society gets, the further from Scripture they become. The more they hate the Bible, the more they will oppose its doctrines and theology, the more they'll seek to rewrite it. How many new versions of the Bible are there where they are literally changing the very text of Scripture? How many Bible versions out there are omitting passages that mentions the blood of Jesus Christ, that mention the person of Jesus Christ, that omit whole, a whole uh, verses and passages and changing the words to, from what it exactly means? The Bible written that, that the Chinese government has actually issued a dictation a, a while ago to rewrite the Bible. They made Jesus in their Bible a sinner. You remember the woman who was caught in adultery, brought before Jesus, and Jesus, who is that sin, cast the first stone? In the Chinese Bible, they make Jesus pick up a stone and stone the woman to death and call Jesus a sinner in the Chinese Bible. They they have made uh, the, the Queen James Bible. They've actually rewritten it and made the whole Bible about homosexuality that Jesus was a homosexual. Society will say anything, do anything, change anything to fit their feelings, their opinions, their, their, their ideologies because they hate this. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and they will seek to do anything in any way, shape, or form to justify and validate their opinions and feelings, to, to validate their sin. Who do you think you are to tell me what I can and cannot do is what they say to God. Oh, they say it to you, they also say it to God. Who do you think you are to judge me? Who made you God? Who made you a ruler over us? Is what they said to Moses. But who set Moses up? Who sent Moses? Moses was a prophet of who? Of what? Of the Lord God. Look, God has said, he's just quoting, look, God said this. Who do you think you are to tell me? They'll hate you because of me, Jesus says. So when they're hating you and they're hating the Bible, they're actually hating on Jesus Christ. They're hating on God Almighty. We're not the judges. This, this book, this book is the judge. And there's only one. There's only one judge. Well, that's your interpretation. There's only one interpretation. What it says is what it means whether you like it or not well i think you're a liar you're lying to yourself you're deluding yourself you're being lied to and now you are lying by saying saying that the bible says this when it doesn't what does it say about the false prophets that they 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 say the lord has sent sent me but i have not sent them they said the lord has said but i have not said it People say, well, well, you're being too strict. 
You're saying God is wrong. Well, the Bible is written by man. Says the godless heathen who wants to create a God of his own imagination. Let's go back to uh, Romans 1. Verse 16. <clears throat> For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Now, by whose standard? What is godliness? What is ungodliness? By whose standard? Not by the traditions of men. Not by, not by the, the, the physical actions of, of, cre of created tradition, not by religion, not by denominationalism, not by catechism, creed, and commentary, not by any of that, but by whose standard, what the Bible flat out says about it. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, what is unrighteousness well we got to then know what is righteousness what is righteousness by god's standard and anything anything it doesn't matter how small it doesn't matter what you think about it it doesn't matter what you feel about it if it contradicts even remotely the righteousness of god according to the scriptures then it is wrong and it is unrighteousness The wrath of God, the anger of God, the judgment of God, the condemnation of God is revealed from heaven against all, all. Not the Calvinistic all of a limited type of all, just a couple things. It's all, it's everything, it's everything. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because his word is, is written uh, uh, on their hearts and minds. Uh, they're without excuse. They know. People know it's wrong to lie. You inherently know that it's wrong to lie. You inherently know it's wrong to steal. It's it's wrong it's wrong to kill. You inherently know what is right and what is wrong. Where did that come from? It came from God. For they sear their conscience of the hot iron. They're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, to become fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They change the truth of God. They change the judgment of God. They change the dictations of God. They change the righteousness of God. They make him a God that doesn't see sin as a big deal. Where the progressive Christian says that says that fornication, adultery is not a sin. It's not wrong. That, that it's okay to lie. It's not a big deal. It's not hurting anybody. As long as you're not hurting anybody. You shall be as God, knowing the difference in good and evil. Profess themselves to be wise and become fools and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness 
Okay, fine. That's what you want to do. Go ahead. And we go back actually into the Old Testament. Um, into the, the clean pages of your Bible. Go back to Hosea. <laughs> go back to the clean pages of your Bible. Hosea chapter 8 verse 4. Now I want you to, to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Hosea chapter 8 verse 4. They have set up kings but not by me. Who's talking? Back up. You see, it's God. God is talking. God says, They have set up kings, but not by me. God didn't set them up. You know, some people say, Well, all rulers and all positions, and everything that happens, it's all directly ordained by God. No, it's not. No, it's not. King Saul was not God's choice. David was. And you read in the Bible, you see, Saul was the people's choice. That they that, that they did not want to wait on the Lord. They went against God's counsel and they set up their own king. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Meaning it wasn't of my choice. It wasn't of my mind. I didn't want that. They went and did their own thing. They didn't wait on the Lord. They rejected God's counsel. They rejected God's word. They rejected the Lord from being king. And they did their own thing. Psalms 9, 17. The wicked shall be turned to hell in every nation that forgets God. That When you reject the counsel of God, you reject the word of God, you reject the Lord. Guess what takes over as authority then? The enemy comes in and sets up their own. So we see here, as we continue in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, Know ye not that we shall judge angels, how much more things that pertain to this life? How can we judge things by the standard of the word of God if we don't know the word of God? We're not standing firmly upon the word of God. We're watering down sin, air conditioning hell. We're compromising our, our stands of compromising our doctrines. We're making sin no longer sin and, and sin no longer a big deal. Would we not then be, be corrupt? Bias judges because they're going by our own personal standard. We've changed the glory of God into something that's corrupted. We've corrupted the judgment of God. We've corrupted judgment. We've corrupted the church. We've corrupted the word of God. We have to clean and purge our minds, purge our hearts, clean our hands before the Lord, wash our hands in the innocency of the blood of the Lamb, and come back to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, and then stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. And make no apology. We ought to obey God rather than men. Verse 4. If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed to the, in the church. So what does he mean by verse 4? That they're going back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. This is what's happening. is They are allowing the world to dictate and judge people that are the least esteemed in the church. Because they are not of the church. They are not of us are judging the things of this life amongst you. You are letting the world dictate to you your faith, is what he's saying. You are letting the world, the unsaved, you're letting the governments and the laws of men dictate to you your faith. 
The world says that shacking up is not a big deal. The world says that identifying as a pine tree is perfectly fine and acceptable. The world says you can go off and do whatever, be whatever, have whatever, any, any of that, and it's not a problem. And you're bringing that into the church. The world says sin is not that big of a deal, so you water it down. The world says this is the law, so you compromise. So you're setting the world up. You're setting these who are the least esteemed in the church. Those are not actually of the church. You're setting them up to be judges amongst you of things pertaining to this life. Wouldn't you agree that that's a bit of a problem? Wouldn't you say that's a bit of a problem? What do you think? Or am I being too strict here? Am I being too strict? turning down the volume here i'm getting a little loud in this one so i want to turn down a bit okay so what would what, what would you what do you say in this what's your thoughts would you would you not say that that's exactly what's happening today especially here in canada you wouldn't believe some of the things that they have passed in parliamentary law bestiality is not against the law here in canada they've removed that one bestiality that sexuality of any kind is allowed is okay of any kind but what does god say and we're not just talking about sexuality we're talking about anything and everything that God says in his word of what is sin and what is not. Entertainments, lifestyles, hobbies, interests, work life, home life, private life, anything. That, 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 that there is no limit. And Paul, verse 5, look what he says at the beginning of verse 5. Look what he says here. I speak to your shame I speak to your shame do you realize what Paul is saying here you ought to be ashamed of yourselves you're supposed to be Christians you're supposed to be servants of the Most High. You're supposed to be born-again Christians. You're supposed to stand apart and be separate, as the Lord says. You're supposed to strive for holiness and righteousness and all purity. You're supposed to be ye holy, for He is holy. You're supposed to be disciples of the Lord God, Jesus Christ. And, and look what you've done. Look how far you've fallen. Look what you've compromised. Look what you how you've destroyed the church. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You have fornication in the church. Incest in the church. You've brought sin into the church as a norm that is commonly reported amongst you. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? 
Is there nobody amongst you, Paul says to the, to the church of Corinth, is there nobody amongst you that, that is biblically sound at all, that you have to go to the courts and the judges and the world and the philosophers and the psychology, you have to go to the world to seek for wisdom, that there's not one amongst you who can, set, who can stand up as an actual teacher of the word of God. There's not a wise man among you? No, not one that should be able to judge between his brethren? There's nobody amongst you, Paul says, uh, that is able to define what is absolute truth and what is not? That, uh, of how things are supposed to be and how it's not? But instead, instead of doing that, instead of seeking the counsel of God, instead of fasting and praying, Instead of fasting and praying, instead of holding strictly to the word of God, rather, verse 6, brother goeth to law with brother and that before the unbelievers. What is that? Bickering, fighting, angry debate, showing that there's schism, division, showing that there's no unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, showing that the church has fallen apart into great schisms, that there is no absolute truth. And, and, and on top of this, you're bringing the world in as the authority of what is right and what is wrong. That there's no sound groundedness, there's no doctrine, no theology, there's no depth, there's no understanding. The Bible is not the authority. They've ripped apart the Bible to, to, to their own personal interpretations. The world is the judge of truth. Sin and immorality of all kinds have crept into the church. Whew. Verse 7, now therefore there is utterly a fault among you. Because ye go to law one with another, why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Now what does he mean by this? we got to look at context here of what he's referring to. To be defrauded, to be made fun of, to be called out, to be publicly declared as wrong. He's talking about the church versus the world as first context. The church versus the world. The world will say, everything you are doing is absolutely wrong. Everything you are saying and believing and holding and practicing is completely wrong. And who cares? Let the world say whatever it wants. Let the world uh, dictate whatever it wants. Let the world accuse you of whatever it wants. They're wrong. You're right when you're holding to the word of God. That's what he means by this is first context. Second context, he's talking about amongst believers, of believers versus believers, that we are to seek peace. We seek to be the peacemakers. That in all situations and circumstances, we're to avoid contentions and strifes of words. We're not supposed to partake in schism making. We're to protect the gathering, protect the peace. 
And even if, even if it means taking the wrong to keep the peace, then so be it. Take the wrong. Take the wrong. Well, they, they called me a liar and I can't let them get away with that. They called me names. I can't let them get away with that. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Yes, you can. Absolutely you can. Christ did. Yeah, well, I'm not Jesus. Good thing. But we're supposed to be Christ-like. Jesus says, Render not evil for evil. Speak evil of no man. Turn the other cheek. Everything Paul is saying here, he's reciting what Jesus says. Who do you think you are to say that that's not the right thing and that, 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 that that's not how you should behave? When Christ said it and his apostles said it, the Spirit of God says this is how it's supposed to be. Who do, who do you think you are to say that that's not right and that's not how you, what you should do? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Now, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, again, we go to the, the, the sermon there. Jesus preached to his disciples about Christ-like behavior and how the disciples, the saints, are supposed to carry themselves. Can we overlay that over the church today and say that's what we are? Rather, what we're seeing is this has fallen apart to such an extent that this chapter so far is quite applicable to us. Now, Verse 8, nay, ye do wrong and defraud. And not only do you defraud the world and defraud others, but you defraud and you do wrong to your brethren. Now, we have to go back to the first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Of the first accusations, the first problems. Some say of Paul, some say of Cephas, some say I'm of Apollos. Are we not all one under Christ? You defraud your brethren. Because someone says they're of MacArthur or they're of Sproul or they're of Spurgeon or they're of this or they're of that. That 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 we we hate upon, name call, and deride individuals because, well, they're not of my clan. Because they're not of my denomination, so they're lesser. We treat them like that. We may not say that, but we treat them like that. We think it, we feel it. Oh, you may lie to yourself. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely you do. We all do it. And that's wrong. To judge righteously, instead of saying, well, they're not of my denomination, so they're not Christian. Rather, to judge righteously is to say, okay, have they personally called upon the Lord God, Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith, through belief alone? Then they're Christians, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ, and how dare you speak evil of them? Uh, because you may not like their opinions on subcategory doctrines, not the prim there's difference between primary and secondary doctrines. The primary are those that which are salvationary, secondary, uh, secondary are things that are not salvationary all because they may disagree with you on secondary doctrines doesn't mean they're not christian and who do you think you are to call them names or to think less of them because they didn't go to the same school as you they're not the same same uh, same color stripe as you because they're not of the same denomination as you you defraud your brethren Then he goes into verse 9. 
Verse 9 and verse 10 is what's going to get me in trouble. Verse 9, verse 10. FYI, I'm not allowed by Canadian law to read verse 9 and verse 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves and mankind, homosexuality, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. Let's go to Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Oh, I passed it again. Where is it? Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkennesses, revelings and such like of the which i told you before as i told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god now we go to revelation 22 revelation chapter 22 and verse 15 for hor for, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Uh, they're outside there, uh, out of the kingdom because they cannot inherit the kingdom. Now, what does it say here? These will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what it's not saying. Now, I want to be careful here. I want, want to clarify something. It's not saying a person who slips up and commits a sin of this will not inherit the kingdom of god no 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 you look at the language here that uh, for uh, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers this is referring to individuals that are defined as these things because they are still in their sin they are not saved they have not received forgiveness for their sins uh, they have no repentance, they have no remorse, they have no understanding, they have no salvation of this, uh, they have not the Spirit of God, they are still lost in their sins. But he's also uh, defining something here about fornication, fornication, idolatry, adultery, effeminacy, abuse of of mankind, that's inordinate affection, that re refers to all forms of immoral sexuality. Immoral sexuality, according to God's standard, which would be homosexuality, bestiality, incest, and all that kind of stuff. That nor thieves, nor that's thievery, nor covetousness, drunkenness, reviling others, uh, uh, hating upon others, speak evil of others, extortion. These are things that God is against. It says is wrong. We see witchcraft, sorcery, all the other stuff. That that these are sins by God's standard. You go read the law of God. And you see what it says about these things now, regarding uh, other forms of spirituality, Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12. And we see what God thinks about that stuff. Verse 11, and such were some of you. Such were some of you, meaning you are not that now as you were that when you were not saved. But now that you are saved, that this is that's not what you are now. 
Now, there are many churches, liberal churches, progress, progressive Christians, all these kinds of people will try to normalize sin, normalize all these things. Many say and state the rules and laws and the things of the, of the Bible are no longer applicable today. That was for back then, and that was for that time, and those people didn't understand. The Bible was written by man. There's many interpretations. It's not meant to be that strict. It's more of a guideline. And that it's no longer relevant to today. That our modern and advanced understanding trumps the Bible. Our modern understanding supersedes the Bible. And that God's judgments and lists of what is actually sin no longer applies. Mostly due to the fact that primary, most of the mentions that, that, that uh, of these things uh, in detail are Old Testaments. So people say, well, that's for the Old Testament. Now, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. So anything goes. That's just the willful ignorance and misuse of the teachings of the word of God for personal gain and, and satiation for their guilty conscience. Regardless of what a person wants to think, the Bible clearly states, and as we saw it in Romans 1, 16 and 25, and we also see in 1 Timothy 1, 9 to 10, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous men, for, for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and for, for profane for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, that's promiscuous persons, promiscuity, public sexuality, public sexual displays, it's whoremongery, for them that defile themselves of mankind, that's homosexuality, for men, for men stealers, for liars, perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. We, then we read it in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, and we read it in Galatians 5, 19-21. That what God says is sin is still sin, whether you like it or not. What God says is sin is still sin, whether you like it or not. And again, like I said at the beginning of this broadcast, I am not saying that you can't go and do and be and have whatever you want. I can't tell you that you can't do that. what i am telling you there are consequences there are consequences you can go and you can change your sexuality change your person you can get all the surgeries do all the stuff you could be have to go whatever you want that you will not inherit the kingdom of god that's all i'm saying that there is a consequence you could choose to go, do, have, be, whatever you want. But there's a consequence. There's heaven and hell. There's the, the kingdom of God. And then there's the consequence of sin. The judgment of God, the wrath of God upon sin. Upon all unrighteousness of men. Who hold the truth and unrighteousness. You've formed and created a God of your own imagination that is okay with sin. And that is not the God of the Bible. You're allowed to believe whatever you want. But don't think that your God is going to get you into heaven. Oh, you, you will stand before God. You will get to God. But he will not be your savior. He will be your judge. 
If you do not repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you do not seek for the Lord to save you from the from your sin and ask him to be your, be your God and Savior, he will be your judge. He will be your judge. And such were some of you. Many of us come from different backgrounds. Many of us have committed different sins. We've had atrocious behavior. We've had abominable actions and sins and things in our in our lives, in our backgrounds. Things that we would give our right arm to be able to go back and, and undo. But it's done. But the Lord forgives all sin. All sin shall be forgiven them to the sons of men. All sin. All these things in here. A fornication, idolatry, adultery, and we see drunkenness and witchcraft and all kinds of other stuff. It's all for all, all can be forgiven. Jesus Christ atoned for it on the cross so that it's there for all the world. Anyone who would come to him can be forgiven of all sins. And I'll be I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God is not some big, angry, wrathful monster up there with a club waiting to smash down anyone who does anything wrong. He's not that kind of person. God so loved the world. The soul love of God is the self-sacrificing love of God. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man will lay down his life for his friend. And that's what God did. God purchased the church with his own blood. The wages of sin is death, and without the... Uh, and without and without blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no no remission of sins. So he gave himself. Behold, the Lamb of God, which will take away the sin of the world. He came down. He paid the price himself. He made the way himself. He did all the work. He said it is finished, and all that's left for you is to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's not about religion. It's not about traditions or religiosity. It's not It's not about any of that stuff. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, risen again. That Jesus is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer that redeems us by the riches of his, of his grace, by his blood. In whom ye also trusted. After that ye, ye heard the word of truth. You were sealed because you believed you believed the word. You believed in Jesus Christ. To call upon him and you can be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As such were some of you these horrible things that were not going to inherit the kingdom of God because you were in these things. You were not repentant of these things. And God says, but if, but if you repent to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that these things are wrong, that, that you need to be saved, redeemed, bought out, changed, made new from this, and that Jesus Christ is your salvation, for there is no other way, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. Allah can't save you, Buddha can't save you, popes and priests and kings can't save you, there's no other name, no other way, no other truth, there's no other life, you're not going to get a do-over, reincarnation's a lie, there's no other power, there's no goddess or other name, there's no other god, there's none other besides me i alone and the lord god says it's in jesus christ and jesus christ alone if you do not believe this you will not inherit the kingdom of god because you're still in your sin and there's no other name no other power there's no other way there's no other truth there's no other life that can rescue you from that 
all others that call themselves gods and goddesses will be cast into the lake of fire. All other powers, all other ways will be cast into the lake of fire. They'll receive the wrath of God, as will you if you do not repent of your sins and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He stands before and he offers you the free gift. It's free. You don't have to pay or do anything but believe. Just accept this. He did all the work. It is finished. The atonement is done. There's nothing left. It is finished. Would you believe? What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. That Jesus is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful, the Counselor, the One whose ways are of old, even of everlasting, just as he said to the Samaritan woman at the well. She says, we, we know that when Messiah comes, which is called Christ, he will teach us all things. And Jesus says, I, the speaker to thee, am he. Jesus says to the Pharisees, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And they picked up stones to stone for blasphemy. And Jesus says, for what good work do you stone me? They said, not for good work do we stone thee, but because thou, thou being a man, makest us of God. Even they knew Jesus is God. God manifested in the flesh. He is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. The devils know that. The world knows that and they hate him. They change everything about him. They reduce his sovereignty. They reduce his atonement. They reduce his faith. They reduce his word because they can't stand him. They change the truth of God because they heard it. They knew it. They reject it. They change the truth of God into a lie. And such were some of you. But ye are washed by the blood of the Lamb, washed by the Spirit of God. Not by, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That the Spirit of God washes us clean, changes us, makes us new, seals us, holds us. And we're held in the hand of the Father and, and nothing can pluck us out. It's the washing, the work of washing the Spirit of God. Not our washing. It's not baptism. It's not water. But it is the washing of the Spirit of God by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the atonement of Christ, by the name of Christ, by the person of Christ. And such are some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. And as we see back in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. He is our sanctification and redemption. He is our redemption. He is our righteousness. He saves us from the condemnation of our sin. Of the things that we were. We were these things. Drunkards can be born again saved. They would just call on Jesus Christ. Murderers and thieves and adulterers and fornicators can be forgiven and saved. The effeminate, homosexuals, uh, all the rest of it, blasphemers, can be born again saved. Witches and sorcerers and, and whoremongers and all the rest of it can be born again saved. Whatever sin that you have committed can be, can be forgiven by Jesus Christ. You come to the cross as you are. You bring it all. You leave it at the cross. Say, Lord, forgive me for this. I'm sorry. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Saved. 
Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right in front of you. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears a little time and vanishes away. You look at a tombstone, you see the birth date, death date, and the dash in between. Everyone's dash is the same. You don't know how long you're going to be here. There are babies and children and teens and young people and middle-aged and old in the cemeteries. that You have no idea when your time is coming. Get yourself right. Get yourself ready. Don't plan for a deathbed confession. You might not get it. You most likely will not get it. As such were some of you, but ye are washed to be washed in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of Christ is by grace. For by grace, the unmerited favor of God. Unmerited. I didn't merit it. I didn't earn it. It's not a reward. I don't deserve it, but he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. Some say, well, I'm too wicked. All sin shall be forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done. Are you worse than Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus, arch enemy of the church, number one blasphemer of jesus christ number one hater of saints hater of the church hater of christ yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter he was destroying the church he was killing christians hauling them off to prisons and he got born again saved and became the apostle paul are you saying you are worse than him But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not because of something you've done. You don't have to make yourself accountable, make yourself acceptable unto God. You don't have to do anything to earn his favor. You don't have to earn brownie points of God. You don't have to maintain anything to, to keep yourself safe. You don't have to do anything to save yourself. You don't have to atone for anything yourself. It's all by Jesus Christ. Mary can't help you. The angels can't help you. Dead saints can't help you. The popes can't help you. No other so-called prophet can help you. No other holy man can help you. You can't help yourself. Nothing else can help you but Jesus Christ and crucified, buried, risen again. All other belief systems will send you to hell. For there's no other name, there's no other way, there's no other truth, there's no other life but Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ of the Word of God. Not the Mormon Jesus, not the Jehovah's Witness Jesus, not the Seventh-day Adventist Jesus, not the Muslim Jesus, not the Buddhist Jesus, not the Hindu Jesus, not the Catholic Jesus, not the Mennonite and Amish Jesus, not the occult Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible, who is the Christ, the mighty God, manifested in the flesh. This Jesus, and only this Jesus. Not a Jesus that needs you to maintain works, needs you to maintain law. Not a Jesus that says, now you have to go and do this, maintain that, keep that. Not a Jesus that you got to bring water baptism to the cross in addition to, to be saved. But a Jesus, the only Jesus, who says, just come to me and repent and believe the gospel. And repentance is it works. Repentance is the heart state acknowledgement of the sin state. Understand that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved. And you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Save me. We are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. The Spirit of Christ dwells in the heart of every believer. Spirit of Christ. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 
all of these things all these troubles these temptations these sins yes they're here and yes we're surrounded by powers and principalities and things that come and the flesh wants to lust and fall into all these things but the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh I will not be brought under the power of any, but there is no power but of God. I only allow God to be the power over me, not governments, not this world, not my wills, not my desires, not my lusts, not my flesh. All these things are coming up and all these things that may, may seem that I can do it. I could take part in it. Well, you could, but it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. You may feel your senses may say one thing, but it doesn't mean that it's right. It may make you feel great, feel powerful. It doesn't mean it's right. Philosophies and opinions and all these other things may dictate, but it doesn't mean it's right. Society may make laws and rules and protocols and regulations. It doesn't mean it's right. There's no power but of God. There's no authority but of God. There's no other way but of God. I will not be brought under the power of any. No one else, nothing else, will tell me what is right and what is wrong, but the power of God that is unto salvation. His righteousness, His word, His name, His blood, His spirit, nothing else. We ought to obey God rather than men. I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not bow the knee to anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but, the, uh, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now that you are saved, that now that, 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 that you are washed and sanctified and justified in Jesus Christ, all because the flesh isn't saved and the flesh is condemned to die, because the flesh is, is corrupted by sin still and the flesh will die, your soul is saved, your spirit is saved, your flesh is not that doesn't mean the body can just go and do and have whatever it wants all because it's not saved. It belongs to the Lord as he purchased it. We are a purchased possession of body, soul, and spirit. And that sins of deliberate sins is direct rebellion and stubbornness against God. Yes, we don't follow law. We don't have to do anything. But if you're truly born again saved, wouldn't you want to do that which is right? Want to. Not a have to, a want to. It changes your very heart and desire. It changes your very thinking. It changes your very person. That you will want to follow him. That you will naturally want to hate sin and love righteousness. But thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity in the Lord, even thy God, and anointed thee with the oil of gladness. God is the judge. God is the power. God will. Do, uh, do, God is the one who gives and takes away. He creates and he destroys. Yes. We must understand then what he says as the final authority of all things. To be able to judge all things. To judge all matters. To judge all angels. To judge all things as the word of God says. To, to judge righteously and not after the appearance. God is the authority. God destroys both, 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 both it and them. But the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. Now, fornicating, as we see that there is different contexts in scriptures as well. 
and that we see by physical meaning of, of immorality. And then it talks about the fornication with the world, how the church fornicates with the world, how saints can fornicate with the world as to play the harlot, as God says in his word, to be unfaithful. We're the bride of Christ. And we are unfaithful by flirting with the world. As Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We see fornication by spiritual sense. It's not just physical. There's a spiritual. Where the Lord gives us clear, clear, set instructions that this is what it is. And this is what sin is. And this is, this is what righteousness is. And then we go and we ask someone else's opinion. We go off and we go and we and we judge rather by the world standards. That's spiritual fornication. You've gone off and you flirted with and, and now you're hanging out and you're behaving inappropriately with the world. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. As you see by the context here, as a as a as a groom and bride. Look what he says, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that that, that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. The two become one flesh. The two become one flesh. You're joined together. What are you doing going after someone else? What are you doing going after something else? But is that not what we're doing? When we water down the word of God. When we compromise the doctrines and theology of the Lord. When we, when we compromise and water down and air condition hell. When we make sin no longer sin. and we make sin no longer a big deal. And we have no problems uh, being entertained by and going angling after these things. Is this not what we are doing? Playing the harlot. That's what Paul's saying to the church of Corinth. This is what you've done, Corinthians. This is what you've done. Now, that's pretty bad. It's pretty, pretty bad. Uh, but then we go back into the Bible and there's one more judgment. There's one more huge judgment of also why this is such a big problem. Yes, the sin itself is severe and a real problem, but there's a bigger problem. There's something that's even worse than what you've done. And as Nathan the prophet went to see King David, after David uh, uh, fornicated with, uh, with Bathsheba and murdered her husband Uriah so he could have her and all this, Nathan came and told him the story about the, about the shepherd and the rich man and the baby lamb and all this. And David got all mad and said, and then went to accuse the man who had done this. And Nathan says, thou art the man. That struck David at the heart. And, he, and then Nathan said something else. A terrible, terrible judgment. You have caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. You've caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. You've given the world an opportunity to mock the faith. 
you have shamed God in their eyes. You've compromised the faith and you've given them an opportunity to mock. You gave them something to mock. So it's that instead of bringing them under a conviction, letting them see the reality, see the seriousness, they've seen it's not serious. It's not a big, big deal. It's not a big problem uh, because look at them. Look at the Christians. Look at what they're doing. Look, they have no unity. There's no point, no purpose, no power. There's no love. There's no strictness, no severity. There's no zealousness. There's no fervency. There's no passion. What's to draw them? What's to draw the sinners? What's to draw the world? That when they look at you and you stand in their eyes, what do they see? What do they hear? What are you to them? Are they going to be coming to you and asking you about the hope within you? What is drawing them? How are you convicting sinners? Or are you giving them an opportunity to blaspheme, to mock, and, and see that it's not serious, not a big issue? What's to make the sinners feel the conviction of sin? Verse 17, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. There's one spirit, one truth, one interpretation, one word, one way, one truth, one life. Not multiple. Not what your denomination says. Not what your traditions are. Not, not what the catechisms and creeds and commentaries say. Not what other names or other people. Not what I say, what I think. It's not by any ministry, set standard, or tradition. But what the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible says in and of itself. One spirit of one name, of one word, of one authority. Of one doctrine. One spirit. What the Spirit of God says unto the churches, He that hath ears, let them hear what the Spirit saith. Verse 18, flee fornication. Flee fornication. Like Joseph in Egypt uh, with, with Potiphar's wife. He just, she grabbed his coat, he just took his coat off and booked it out of there. Flee every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. We see the depth of, of the seriousness of here. We see by the first context is physical fornication. Then we see by second context, spiritual fornication. Flee it. Not only is fornication sin against the marriage, sin against the relationship, sin against yourself, a terrible, terrible thing. But in a spiritual sense, as a Christian, as the church, flee temptations of fornication. The temptation to water down, to, to, uh, to bring in non-seriousness, to compromise. Flee it. Flee anything that would contradict the faith. We ought to obey God rather than men. This isn't just some statement against the government, against the man kind of thing. But this is a statement of ourselves standing before God. We ought to obey the Lord rather than ourselves. We ought to obey the Lord rather than our friends and family. We ought to obey the Lord rather than laws of the land that contradict the word of God. We ought to obey God on all aspects. A generalized, broad-brushed sense. We ought to obey God rather than anything. 
what God says, not what religion says, not what denomination says, not what tradition says, not what the doctrines of men say, but what scripture flat out says in and of itself. You look at the words, the meanings of the words, you look at the doctrines, you look at what it flat out says, this is what it means, search it out, search it out from cover to cover, every book, book, chapter, verse, this is what it says. If you are if you have to quote catechism to quote your beliefs, you're wrong. If you have to quote other people, other names, other traditions, you're wrong. I want to see a book, chapter, verse, and that's what the Lord wants to see, book, chapter, verse. He wants to see you holding to it, studying it, reading it, memorizing it, and following it. Why would you not want to? The only reason why you wouldn't take this serious is because you're a fornicator, spiritually or physically. Not my words. Not my words. And here's the other thing. Know ye not that fornicators will not enter the kingdom of God. If you have no conviction, no conviction about watering down the seriousness of the word of God, no conviction about committing sin and no conviction about compromising the word of God, no conviction about using the name of Jesus Christ in, in, uh, in uh, blasphemy, no conviction towards sin that shows you have no Holy Spirit within. If you have no conviction about spiritual fornication, it's a pretty good sign you have not the Spirit of God within you and you will not enter the kingdom of God. Give that some thought. What does the Bible say? It's not my words. People say, oh, you're being way too strict. You're one of those fundamentals. <laughs> yep. I hold to the fundamentals of the word of God. The fundamentals are the teachings, the doctrines, the theologies, what it says, what it means. I hold to this. I don't hold to any other standard. I hold to this. The fundamental, I hold to doctrine. If you want to be a doctrineless fornicator, spiritual fornicator, then go ahead. That's your choice. You can go do, be, have, whatever you want. But you're going to have to pay the consequences. And the consequences are, you will not enter the kingdom of God. You will hear, name not found written, depart from me. It's that serious, folks that serious flee fornication verse 19 what and look 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 at look, look at look at this i hope you have your bible handy and i hope you have it open in front of you i hope you can see the words do you see what i see here in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 what it, it just the incredulation of Apostle Paul here, he's, he just, it, it just, he's just incredulous at the state of the church of Corinth. He's just, just again, he's thinking about what you've done. He's thinking about the church of Corinth and what they've done and all the stuff that they committed and that they're guilty of. He's just like, what? How? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? How do you not realize the depth of this? That if Jesus Christ were, were standing beside you physically, you wouldn't be committing a fraction of the mistakes that you would be committing. Just like in, in, in an actual marriage, 
you wouldn't go off and do half of the things that your flesh would naturally want you to go and do. Why don't we? Because our spouse is right there physically. But because we can't see God, we think he can't see our sin. And we don't see it as a big serious problem where if Jesus Christ is sitting on the couch with you with a bowl of popcorn, you wouldn't be watching a fraction of the movies that you do. Just as we are one flesh with our spouse, we are we are of one spirit with God. We are we are married in Christ. We belong to the Lord as the bride of Christ. That uh, the church belongs to God. It's His. He owns. We've given ourselves to Him. Know ye not that your body, and not just body, body, soul, and spirit, that you're that that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God lives inside of us, holding us, sealing us. Which ye have of God was given to you by God. And ye are not your own. Are you looking at that verse 19? You see those words right there. Five words. Ye are not your own. Do you realize what that means? Not my words, God's words. Do you know what that means? Ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. A purchased possession. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. Ye are not your own. That means you are not your authority. You do not call the shots. You are not the head of your relationship. It's not your interpretation. It's not what you feel, what you think. You have no rights. You have no authority of your own. We are bought with a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why would you not want to do what's right to honor and please your spouse? Why would you not want to honor your spouse, respect your spouse, help and love your spouse in all things? Why would you not want to bring your spouse to, in to be a part of everything that you do? Why would you not want to thank your spouse and to be in conversation with your spouse? Why would you not want to live with your spouse and, and to be mindful of your spouse in, in everything that you do? Why would you not want to? What would that say about you if you didn't? You didn't really love them. You don't really love them. Now turn that whole situation spiritual. Why would you not want to bring the Lord into everything that you do to be a part of everything in your life? Why would you not want God to be your authority of all aspects of faith or practice of faith? Why would you not want the word of God to be your final absolute authority? Why would you want to water down sin? Why would you want to make what the Bible says not that serious? 
That means you don't love God. It means you don't actually love the Lord. That you've changed God into something of your imagination. A God that is not that serious about drunkenness. Not that serious about immorality. A God that's not that serious about lying. A God that's not that serious about spiritual fornication. God is very serious about sin. Sin will not enter the kingdom of God. And God does not care what you think. He doesn't care what society says. He doesn't care about how the kings of the earth gather themselves together against the Lord and against his anointing. He laughs at them. God laughs at the government's rules and bills and attempts to ban scripture. God laughs at what they do and he will judge them. Is he going to be your savior or your judge? Get yourself right before the Lord. Now you can laugh and mock and snicker and, and, and all the rest at, at, at what's being said. You can have whatever reaction you want. You can go do, be, have, whatever you want. You, go, you can go identify whatever you want. You can, you can believe whatever you want. But remember this. There is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one life. And there is only one name, and there is only one cross, and there is only one authority that will save you. Everything else will damn you. You can believe whatever you want, but doesn't mean you're right. And you can accuse and charge and hate and rail and cry and trigger by whatever you want but what god says is the final authority whether you like it or not he is god and he alone is the lord there is none other beside him there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of jesus christ it is by his sacrifices by his atonement it's by his work it's by his blood his spirit his name his cross his resurrection it's by him and him alone not by any other name any other power he is the only intercessor he's the only redeemer he's he's the only advocate he is the only savior he's the only god there is none else and you can say i'm bigoted you can say I'm mean. You can call me a hater. You can say I'm, a, I'm, I'm uttering hate speech. You can say I'm, I'm all kinds of... You can, I don't care. Haul me up before whatever. I don't care. We ought to obey God rather than men. You arrest me, I'll preach the inmates. Throw me into isolation, I'll preach to the guards. If the guards leave, I'll preach to the angels because they'll, they'll still want to hear it. But you can't stop me. The word of God must be preached. The saints must speak it. And we must not be ashamed. If you're ashamed to stand up for the absolute, clear-cut, blatant authority of Scripture, if you're ashamed of this, God is ashamed of you. He's ashamed of you. If you will water this down and compromise this, what this says regarding sin and righteousness, if you will compromise this and water this down, what it says about Jesus Christ and salvation, then God is ashamed of you. If you have no conviction about doing that, then I call into question you, and so does the Lord. 
Because if you have no conviction of sin, no conviction of spiritual fornication, no conviction of physical fornication, what does it say about you before the Lord? Give this some thought. It's a very strict, very hard message. It's a very hard passage. Paul's being very harsh here. So they say, well, we got, you shouldn't be talking like that. You shouldn't be talking. We should be just speaking love. I guess you condemn Jesus. He was really harsh with the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and all of them. I guess you're condemning John the Baptist. And I guess you're condemning Peter and Paul and Elijah and all the prophets. I guess you're condemning uh, Paul when he said to, called Alimus uh, all kinds of names and things of, and calling out his sin. Yes, we we speak the truth in love for, and that that doesn't mean watering down and compromising the severity of the message. What this means is speaking love that that if you love someone enough to uh, that it means you will warn them of danger. If your neighbor's house is on fire, would you bother them? Would you call them out? Would you scream at them to get out of the house? Would would you say you're being stupid, staying in a burning building? Get out. Would you not beat down the door and drag them out to try to rescue them from the fires? It says in Jude, and some pulling them out of the fire. Some people are already on fire of hell. Their feet are already burning and consumed in hellfire. But as long as a person is breathing the breath of life, as long as their hearts are beating, their brains are firing the neurons, they can be born again saved. Some people are so, so deep into the sins of hell. But so were some of you. But now, are you washed? Seek others to also be washed. Seek to bring others to the Lord. Why would you not want to? Why would you make excuses to not go and warn them? Why would you make excuses and why would you compromise the truth? Why would you not tell someone they're wrong? Because they'll offend them. As Jesus says, in the words of Jesus, Doth this offend you? Think about that one for a moment. If this offends you, what does that say about your standing with Christ? The word of God only offends sin. First Corinthians six. Again, this message is illegal. This message I gave today is illegal in many areas in many countries, especially if you're in Canada. But again, we ought to obey God rather than men. What the Word of God says is the final absolute authority. And what it says about sin, what it says about righteousness, what it says about salvation, what it says about other ways, other truths, we must listen, we must heed to it. We'll be hauled up before the judges and the Lord says, <clears throat> worry not what to say beforehand. When they haul you up before the judges and the courts, worry not what to say beforehand. I will give thee the words of which to say in the very same hour. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, care not. 
We ought to obey God rather than men. We, 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 we must speak of the things which we have both seen and heard. We must speak about Jesus Christ. We must preach the word of God. We must tell the truth. We must speak it regardless what this world says. Regardless what sinners say. Regardless what devils say. Regardless what the governments say. The word of God is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. For there is no power but of God. All other powers I will not be brought under the power of any. I obey only this. I listen only to this and nothing else. What do you say? What do you say? So there you go. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I hope that this study has been a help, a comfort, and encouragement to you. I hope this has fired you up. I hope this has given you something to think about. So let's go back up through. See if there's any comments regarding this. Yeah, as Olga says, if Paul was a pastor today, we probably wouldn't like him. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you for sure, for sure. If uh, if the apostles were coming up to today, if you were to go get any, any of the prophets, any of the apostles, bring them up to you today, they'd be flipping tables. They'd be flipping a lot of tables in our churches. I'm telling you, they'd be driving on a lot of people and they'd be flipping a lot of tables. If Jesus was uh, physically here today, if he physically came to your church, you bet your last bottom dollar he'd be most likely flipping tables. Now, what would Jesus do? Making whips. Making whips is one of the things that Jesus would do. He wasn't some limp-wristed, namby-pamby, sissy, hippie Jesus. He, he, he was a Jesus that had calloused hands, and he had he had a, a fire on the inside, and he spoke with fire on the outside. He said it, uh, said it the way it's supposed to be. He, he let the chips fall where they might. He wasn't afraid to offend people with the truth. If the truth offends, then so be it, because it's the truth. You speak the truth. So, give that some thought. Yep. Um, Olga says, uh, I do that a lot with my previous denomination regarding about uh, speaking evil and speaking harshly and, and divisive about other others. Well, this is where you also got to consider other uh, this other denomination these other other uh, traditions are they actually born again christian or not if they're not actually born again christian then they are not of us they're not of us and they must be called out and exposed as the false gospel cult that they are whether it be catholic or orthodox or, or anglican or or mormon or jehovah's witness or whatever else if it's if they are not truly born again christian they are not of us now that's offensive to a lot of people but it's the truth it's the truth it's what the bible says either they are of us or they are not of us how can we know if they are of us if they hold to the same gospel of salvation so first uh, corinthians 6 is an extremely offensive chapter extremely offensive message to sin to the sin of the flesh and the sin of the world it's offensive to devils it's it's offensive to sinners it's offensive to wolves goats and rats it's offensive the word of god is very offensive the truth of god the righteousness of god is offensive to denominations offensive to other religions it's only offensive 
to those that are not of God. It's offensive to to the rebellious nature of this of the uh, sin of the flesh. It's offensive to our our innate desires and lusts and sins. But that's where where it offends us. That's where we need to really pay attention. Because if there is something in us that gets offended by it, that then the word of God just exposed something that's wrong that needs to get fixed. Right? Uh, for it manifests. It manifests all things. It makes manifest. It reveal in us all things which are of light or darkness. And we must listen to it. We must obey what it says. So we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. So there you go. Any other comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all? Anything else at all before we wrap this up? Please, if you got any comments, questions, issues, insights, uh, please, I'd love to hear from you. If for some reason this message gets removed, deleted, I'm going to be downloading it. I'll be, I'll re-upload it again. This message, also the the MP3 file of it, uh, will be put up as audio for our podcasts. Uh, I can't do same day. I have to wait till next day because it does a, it's buffering and processing. And then we'll be uploading it on podcast as well. And so that it'll go up in the future when uh, right now I'm working my way up through uploading them. And I just uploaded the first chapter of Corinthians uh, this morning. Now, uh, so yeah, so please. Uh, give this some thought this is a very serious thing we need to remember who we are who we represent what does the word of god say and what is truth to us what is absolute truth and be not ashamed for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ i'm not ashamed of the doctrines of christ so are you okay um Okay, basically everything considered normal in today's society. And we're talking about sin and all this stuff and what is unrighteousness. And that's everything that we see in modern society. That's right. All right. Uh, Forrest says, I heard wolf, goat, and, and rats, but uh, I heard of wolf and goat, but what are rats? It's just a terminology of those that deliberately uh, cause problems in the church. It's just another name uh, for, for goats. Some people act like a rat more than a goat. It's just the way they are. Um, instead of really butting heads, they seek to go around and secretly cause issues and problems and divisions, talk behind people's backs. They're acting more like a rat than a goat. That's just what that means. As we see it a lot in churches today, that kind of behavior. So it's just uh, a metaphor. Um, so yeah, any other comments, questions, issues, insights before I wrap this up? If you have any other uh, stuff that you want to... Where to go? There it is. So... Uh, if you want to know uh, other studies and stuff, we got tons of links of other playlists, uh, tons of Bible studies. Please make sure you check it all out, as well as our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. Links to all other platforms and goodies. We got links to our our uh, podcasts as well. Make sure you check those out, and a bunch of other goodies there, as well as uh, free downloadable gospel track PDFs. Make sure you take advantage of that. And with that, I guess we'll wrap that up there. Uh, how long have we been going here? An hour 54. That's pretty good. Okay, so we'll wrap that up then. There's nothing else. So I hope that you appreciate this study. Please make sure to give this a like. Give this a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit notification bell icon. And uh, leave a comment. Uh, leave a comment uh, of how you, you agree with this. Or give some thoughts. Um, 
be glad to hear from you. So make sure to give this a like and a subscribe and leave a comment. And hope to see you again, folks. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, make sure you hold to the truth of Christ. Make sure you stand fast. Don't compromise the faith. Don't compromise. Don't compromise the righteousness of Christ. Make not friends of this world, as God says. Stand apart. Be separate. Stand with Jesus Christ. Stand firm. Don't compromise. Don't water down. As A.W. Tozer says, be gently dogmatic. Gently dogmatic. It is what it is, what it says, what it means. Don't move. Don't move. Hold fast to the faith. Keep the faith. Equip yourself. Be strong. Fight the good fight of faith. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's not our opinions and feelings. It's not by our strength. It's not by our words. But it's but by the words of Jesus Christ. By the word of God. The word of God alone. So God bless you folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.